The readings from Joshua 24, which is page 198 of the Church Bibles. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians... And made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not laboured and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, And serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. 
Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Israel served the Lord all of the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem, in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. That we make quickly, some that we make slowly, um, I'm quite rash at decision making, it's fair to, be, fair to say. Um, so, and Hannah is really not rash at decision making, so it's quite an interesting dynamic in our household. You know, which car to buy? Hannah will want to look at every other car, every single op- option before making the decision. Um, I'm a bit more, if it looks good, let's go for it. Um, some that we make slowly, some choices that we make quickly. Some choices that we don't even realise we're making. And uh, we've reached the finale of this um, book, the book of Joshua, that records how Israel were given the land that God had promised under Joshua. And in chapter 24, you've heard it, uh, Joshua moves the people to the point of decision. Um, And he says in verse 16, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. Will it be Yahweh? The God who has done all this for you, or will it be someone else? Choose this day. Make your choice. Decide. But that's not how the chapter starts, is it? That decision, that call to a choice, to a decision, isn't how the chapter starts. It starts in verse 1. And so from verse 1 to 13, we are taken through this potted history. The Lord telling the people what he has done. And the point we're going to look at is that They are to look back at God's grace. Look back at God's grace. You'll notice that that first half is dominated by the first person, I, the Lord, I did this. Uh, So have a look down. It says, um, I gave Esau, I sent Moses and Aaron, I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterwards I brought you out. 
Um, this is all God's initiative. And that's what we've been seeing through the book of Joshua as well, isn't it? That it's all God's initiative. Um, he does it. It's his salvation plan. It's his plan for those people. Um, and he brings it about. It's, it's been his grace to do that. They haven't deserved it. And God has called them out. And he's done all that for them. And actually, um, there's kind of three stop-off points. If you look at that, um, that, that kind of description, there's the very beginning with Abraham and the, God's promise to his offspring. Um, there's the middle, uh, which is the rescue from Egypt uh, under slavery. Um, and then there's the latest instalment of that salvation plan, which is the giving them of the, of the land. Um, so that's where they've got to so far. But the other thing that's interesting that might have stood out to you as we looked through them is that God seems to flatten time. That is to say that these things happen to the people that he's speaking to. How can that work? Because they, this is the generation that are in the land and only Joshua and Caleb were the ones who preceded that. So, but if you look, it says um, in verse 5, I brought you out of Egypt. And then in verse 6, it says, you came to the sea, the Red Sea. And in verse 7, it says, the Lord put darkness between you and the Egyptians. Your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. You lived in the wilderness a long time. So not only is God speaking in the first person, I did this, but, but you. So he is flattening time to say everything that God has done in salvation in the plan so far was for you. And that is really a mind-blowing thought, isn't it? And um, that the people that God is speaking to here and Christians today, when he speaks to them, is saying, this, my salvation plan for you didn't just start when Jesus was born. It didn't start when you even were born yourself. It started with, uh, well, before the, God's promise to Abraham, but it did, that, that was God revealing his salvation for you. That is a mind-blowing thought, isn't it? That what God's been doing all this time is working out a salvation plan, a plan to save you. That is amazing, isn't it? And actually, in fact, you get this all over in the Bible, so it goes even further back than that. Ephesians tell us that he chose you before the foundation of the world. So all of these things that God has been doing, his sovereignty at work, his plan, his purpose was in order that you might be saved. Um, and so that's his grace, looking back at God's grace. It's been grace throughout, isn't it? Because um, Abraham uh, served other gods. His family served other gods. And God has brought him out of that, away from that. Um, it's not, not the kind of the impressive people, the, the godly people that God chooses to use and to, to save. No, it's people who were serving other gods. Um, like us. Um, so look back at God's grace. What the Lord is doing here is what he wants us to do. To rehearse the history of his grace. At every turn, every stage. His grace, his purpose, his power alone brought it about. He did it. And what this means for them now. Is that this is the God they are called to love. And to serve. And that's where the point of decision comes in. This is the God they're called to love and serve. And actually going forward, it will be only by his grace that they are able to serve him. And that keeps them serving him. 
So he's the God of grace up until this point and this point onwards. And his grace is what they needed at every stage. And his grace is what they will need going forward. And so there is a decision. There is a response. And it's there in verse 14. Um, now therefore. So it's following on from all that um, Joshua, uh, the, the Lord has been saying. Um, let's go over this one. Um, so in verse 14 it says. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. So this bit is serving him alone by his grace. This is the, the, the response that naturally flows from who God is and what he has done. And crucially, there's a second half to that verse, isn't there? In verse 14, it's fear the Lord and serve him. Second half, put away the gods that your fathers served. There's two sides to that, isn't there? Serve him alone. Joshua is going to speak of these other gods in all three of his um, responses to the people. Um, it's there in, in this verse. Um, it's there later on um, in verse 19, uh, verse 20, sorry. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. And uh, in verse 23, it's going to be there in his command for the people. Then put away the foreign gods among you. So it seems like Joshua is really banging on about these foreign gods. And he, he, he brings it to the front and centre. And these, uh, we're meant to notice by the time it gets to that last one. Um, let's look through here. Fear the Lord and serve him. Put away the gods that your father served. We'll look at this one in a second. But um, oh, let's go back. Um, if you look at verse 19 and verse 20. No, sorry, 23. And put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So at the third time of asking whether they, this is exactly what they're going to choose, whether they've decided to choose the Lord, <coughs> the response is, put away the foreign gods among you. It calls for action, actually. And yet there is a disconcerting lack of action in the people. They say, we, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. But actually... Talk wasn't what they were called to do, was it? It wasn't a, a pledge of we will serve the Lord. It was put away the foreign gods who are among you. And to, to reject the ones that they had been putting their trust in. And to do that visibly. Um, it, it's even more striking, there's words but not action. If you look um, at Genesis 35. So we'll go back there. And God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the Lord who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. Uh, Verse four, so they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree there was near Shechem. So we're standing in exactly the same place, Shechem, as Jacob said, put away the foreign gods that are among you. And uh, you notice there they did, didn't they? they? They did put away the foreign gods among them. They, they, there was action. And yet the people here are just saying, we will serve the Lord. 
And it's disconcerting, not so much for that generation, but the generations that are to follow. Because we're told in this chapter that those, those generations served the Lord. Uh, but actually we know, don't we, that the following generations didn't serve the Lord. And the foreign gods would be the things that would take them away from serving the Lord. Um, so it is disconcerting to hear that. Um, God's grace calls for this response. And the response is to worship him and to worship him only. Um, he is Lord God and there is no other. Uh, he brings people into that relationship and it's an entirely exclusive one. If you think about it, the, um, you know, we were chatting to someone this week about this. Um, when, when Coca-Cola signs a deal with a professional sports person, they, they want them to represent them and no one else and no other. So because of the, the, the nature of the person, the importance of the person they're brought into that relationship with, it is an exclusive relationship. They're not meant to be, um, they are for him. He has saved them to be his people and he alone will be their God. Um, Joshua spells out, if you go back to Joshua, the other options. So if you look in verse, um, verse 15, he does, doesn't he? He says, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of, this, of, the, of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. It's quite striking, isn't it? The language he uses. It's not neutral. It's not like, um, you know, oh, you could go for this other option. No, no, it would be, if it is evil in your eyes to serve this God now, then choose who you will serve because you are going to have to make that choice. It's an unavoidable choice. Is it going to be him, the God who has graciously provided all these things for you and will provide for you still? Or will you serve these other gods? Choose. Decide. This choice is the choice for us today. It's an unavoidable choice. We all serve something in life, don't we? Every decision we make, we're serving some, someone or something. And we all choose a God for ourselves. Will it be this God? The gracious living God, the eternal God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Or will it be something else? Um, it may be to, ser- uh, to serve ourselves, actually. And um, this is reflected in the many gods we fashion for our own glory. Um, so it's probably more under the category of uh, the gods in the land than the gods of the ancestors. But um, serving ourselves and actually things, we fashion things for our own glory. So football, fame, fashion, films, even family, fitness, they all begin with F because they're false gods. Uh, falling in love. And then there's the ancestral gods, isn't there? There might be the gods that people have passed down to us to serve. So gods of other religions, false gods. Um, And that was certainly the the option that Israel had, to go back to the gods of their ancestors. And the the god that Abraham's descendants would have worshipped and served. Um, As I was reading a book on this passage, um, it said, the attractive thing about the other gods is that they make fewer demands than Yahweh. You notice Yahweh demands their total allegiance. You don't get much more demanding than that. <laughs> um, 
But these other gods, they won't do that. You can have as many of them as you like. Serve this one, next day serve that one. Have a whole buffet of gods that you go to and serve. They don't demand your absolute allegiance, your total allegiance. And there are, of course, benefits of security or security in all of these, but it's only in the short term. They do give us what we created them to give us, uh, but they will ultimately break us and leave us empty. And crucially, our allegiance to them will lead to God's judgment. He says that, doesn't he? And that is surely the message of the potted history, by the way. And you get the gods of Israel, uh, of Egypt, you get Pharaoh himself, um, you get the gods in the land, of the, the kings in the land, and they all come to nothing. At the end of the day, that's what those gods will do. They will themselves be destroyed, judged by God, and they will take everyone else with them. Um, so it's a pretty sobering thought, isn't it? Um, that God's people could be faced with the decision of this God, the God who has done all that for them, and yet still want to be, uh, still not, choose not to serve him. That's our hearts, isn't it? We can see everything that the Lord Jesus has done for us, and yet we can choose. We want, we want to go back to our sin. We don't want to serve him. It's quite striking, isn't it? Um, the next thing we're going to do as a church after Joshua, by the way, is we're going to go to Colossians and we're going to look at the book of Colossians. And uh, I'll just read a few verses from there. It speaks about Jesus' supremacy over all other. Um, it says this, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is the one who reigns over all. He is supreme. He is the God of all. He is the true and the eternal God. And the response we hear from Israel, um, who, who will you serve, is we will serve the Lord. That's what they say, isn't it? Um, in verse 18, therefore we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. Um, and then, no, but we will serve the Lord. And then that final time. The Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. And yet, in his questioning of them, Joshua says something very surprising. Did you, were you surprised by what Joshua says in verse 19? <laughs> he just said, serve the Lord, and he says, you're not able to serve the Lord. What's going on there? Is he, is he sort of putting them off? Well, he's obviously not, because he wants them to serve the Lord. But he's saying you are not able to serve the Lord. And he's wanting to impress upon them the weight of what they are choosing. But it seems an odd way to go about that. Wouldn't detailing what service of God looks like help them to see the choice that they're making and see, see the seriousness of that choice? But this seems to be the exact opposite. He says you're not able to serve the Lord. 
And the example, the only example of the behaviour that they, he does give them is negative, isn't it, in verse 20? Them going away and serving foreign gods. So it seems that actually Joshua is saying, and the Lord is saying, the, the, the power, the grace, the, the potential, the opportunity to serve the Lord is not in you, but you're going to have to um, get it from God himself. You're actually going to have to have his grace in order to do, do this in the first place. Um, that's because at this very moment and at every moment going forward their eyes need to be on God that's what Joshua does isn't he he doesn't point them to their own part in it their own efforts he points them to the Lord he says look at him the weight of their decision is based on the weight of the one in whom they are choosing and he is the Lord God he is holy that is he is utterly morally good there's no impurity in him there's nothing immoral or wrong about him he's jealous Um, his holiness means that there actually is a response uh, that that everyone is going to make and that stands in opposition to him he's not neutral about it um, it is going to be something that his holiness um, impacts on, on, on others and um, on those who reject him um, so this is the God they are going into a relationship with he shifts their eyes doesn't he Joshua to the God that they are having this relationship with away from thinking hey we can do this we, you know, our efforts this is what we're going to put into it and um, we, we take it from here. He says, no, no, no. Fix your eyes on the, on the Lord God going forward now as you take on this relationship with him, as he offers this relationship with you and you accept it with open arms. But in every day going forward, look to him. Don't look to yourself. Don't look at your own strength to be able to serve him. You will only serve him by his grace. If you keep your eyes on him, don't look away. The Lord God is um, calling them into relationship with him. He says, look back and see his grace at work in every stage leading up to this point. And then as you look forward, as you choose to serve him, look again at his grace towards you. Don't do this in your own strength. Don't um, think you're going to be good enough, that you're going to choose the right thing because... Actually, thinking like that, you're not going to. That pride is going to lead you astray. That's going to lead you to serve other things. Um, So let's look at... um, So what are we going to do in response to this? Um, We choose, don't we? We choose whom we will serve. Is it going to be this God who has graciously... uh, moved everything in place for a relationship to happen and given himself to this people who is faithful through and through as we've been seeing that saves, that rescues you uh, through the blood of Jesus who has that covenant um, with you, that promise or is it the gods that we could choose other than him
I think it's a sobering thing, isn't it, to think about which God we're going to choose. Um, there's no opt-out of this choice. It's a cho- choice that we make whether we realise it or not, and um, whether we realise that's what we're doing or not. We're going to choose, and we are choosing. So is it going to be him? And that is surely what is going to produce most joy and delight. And it's going to be, he is the one who's going to satisfy our souls, isn't he? Or are we going to look elsewhere? Um, if, we're an un- if we're someone who hasn't heard this before, it's important to hear that actually to not, to choose to not serve him based on his grace is actually not a neutral decision at all. It is to choose to say he is actually evil and wrong. That's not a neutral position at all. Um, if you're a Christian uh, or if you're brought up in a Christian family, there is a, an unresolved thing in this chapter, isn't there? There's um, this particular generation who have, uh, that we hear in verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. And had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. And then you hear of some other people who trusted in this promise. And even their bones end up in the land. And that's such is the faithfulness of God. Um, But it is a kind of, it doesn't tell us anything about the generations that followed. There's no assumption that they too will choose um, to to serve the Lord. um, Or whether they'll go after the other gods in the land. And I guess that's just a a warning for us, isn't it? That we can be complacent. We can think, I've I've grown up in a Christian family. um, I'm automatically going to be a Christian. And this says that actually that's not the case. And from generation to generation, things can quite quickly change. Um, So why don't you pray and ask God that that he would show you what it means to serve him? That he would incline your heart to serve him and no other. Uh, for the Christian here, this chapter teaches us, doesn't it, to rehearse the story of God's grace in saving us. It started way back, way back at Abraham. And at every stage, we can say that the Lord was doing this in order to bring about a salvation plan for us. That is a staggering thought, isn't it? And that really is the thing that will fill us with joy and delight in the Christian life. And actually will give us a humble dependence on him going forward. We'll look to him and his grace. We'll keep looking to him and his grace in serving him. Not thinking serving him is something that we muster. Something that we can just say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm just going to do it myself. Uh, But looking to him for the strength that we need to serve him each day. Um, So that's something we can pray for now. Let's pray. Grace unending, vast and free, that knew me from eternity. Lord God, you are the God who is gracious to us, a people who are completely undeserving of your kindness. And you have have been at working out your salvation plan in all of history. And it's staggering to think that you would do that for us, 
that you would do that to save us. And thank you, Lord, that in the relationship that you want with us, you want us to fix our eyes on you, not to look to ourselves for the strength to serve you, but to look to you, the God who will abundantly supply all that we need to do that. We know that there will be many temptations to serve ourselves, to serve other gods who are really no gods at all. Please would you incline our heart to serve you. Please would you um, show us that your grace is more than enough motivation to to keep loving you. Uh, It's for you to be number one in our lives. Uh, We pray that um, in the decisions we make this week as we go into half term, that we wouldn't serve uh, food or um, films or fitness or all of these other gods that we can serve, but that we would serve you. Please would you help us to do that, we pray. Amen.